0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg.
1: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 9. A few weeks ago during Thanksgiving, I watched my kids enjoying all the glory that is a long weekend at Grandma's house. They played endlessly with their cousins, they raided the freezer and helped themselves to ice cream sandwich after ice cream sandwich, and they stayed up late, watching movies and playing some more. My husband and I were tired, so we were grateful for them to just be distracted and we allowed them to revel in the chaos while we talked with family and stayed up too late ourselves, kind of ignoring our responsibilities as parents for a couple of days. For a few days over a long weekend, the scenario is probably fine. We were all just enjoying each other and the relaxation of the holidays, but when it goes on too long or gets too out of control, I think most of us as parents have seen the kind of behavior that it can lead to within our kids. They're hyped up on sugar, they're exhausted, they're overstimulated, and they're missing connection to their parents. And soon enough, tantrums and crying fits and all sorts of ugliness can follow. In the book Simplicity Parenting by Kim John payne he describes this type of behavior as a soul fever. And on the podcast today, we have an expert guest who's going to tell us more about that and how to protect our kids from developing a soul fever this holiday season. Carrie Thomas Scott has a master's degree in counseling psychology, and she's been in private practice for 14 years, working with children, adolescents, adults, and couples. She has many areas of expertise within professional counseling. And in the past five years, she's become especially passionate about mindful parenting and simplicity parenting. She's worked closely with Kim Payne, the author of the book and the founder of the Simplicity Parenting Movement, to develop family life coach trainings and workshops for parents who want to learn how to bring simplicity and connection to their homes. My husband and I are lucky that Carrie actually lives in our town, and so we were honored to attend one of her four-week workshops in person this past fall, one night a week and we learned so much about parenting our strong-willed little kids. I knew that I needed to have her on the podcast to share some of her wisdom with all of you, and I'm so grateful that she agreed to take some of her valuable time away from her clients to talk with me. I try not to do any disclaimers with these podcasts. I'd rather just let them stand on their own, but I feel like I have to with this episode Just to say that my sound quality is very poor, and I apologize. I am an amateur as a podcaster and as a recording artist or whatever I am. I'm still learning all of this. The good news is Carrie's sound quality is great, and she's the person that we care about hearing from today. So, with no further ado, here's my interview with Carrie Thomas Scott. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Rachel. It's really
0: nice to be here today.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on. And today we're going to be talking about soul fevers and how to avoid them. And I know you've worked very closely with Kim John Payne, who's the author of Simplicity Parenting, and the term soul fever comes from his book. So I was wondering if you could explain a bit more as we get started about what is a soul fever and how is it similar to like a physical fever?
0: Yes. I'm happy to. Well, and you did a lovely job with your introduction. You know, I think as you described in the holidays, but any time of the year when our children are feeling overstressed or overwhelmed or disoriented in any way, often that comes out in their behavior, either defiant behavior or sullen behavior, or they're just not being compliant. And Oftentimes, parents have a a sort of a reaction to a soul fever. They think their child is making life more difficult for them or for their siblings. And what's interesting about a soul fever is it's that it's a signal to parents to really look at how to help the child orient and how to simplify in the child's environment and in the life of the family So that the child can become more balanced again.
1: So, and I love that in the book, um, Kim talks about how you can compare it to a physical fever in a way. Like you wouldn't be angry at your child for getting a physical fever. Um, You would just draw them close and take care of them. But we do get angry with our kids when they have soul fevers. And we're like, get it together. Why are you acting this way? But if we can, if we can think of it as more of a, A physical or as a like a physical illness, and think what can I do to help him or her get better, then um, we can be a lot more compassionate.
0: Yes, that's it's a really great point. Um, Often in our parenting classes, we teach a, a strategy called the compassionate response practice, and what we're trying to help parents do is exactly that rather create a gesture inside themselves to move towards their child and to embrace their child rather than reject the unpleasant behavior, which often will intensify a soul fever. So we follow the same kinds of um, strategies we would with a physical fever where we simplify many areas in order to help that child develop more equilibrium and get centered again.
1: Right. So if they were physically sick, you would cut back on what they were doing and you'd keep them close and give them rest and things like that. And is it a similar approach with the soul fever?
0: Absolutely.
1: And today we're going to be talking more about preventing them from ever happening in the first place, preventing these soul fevers. Um, And I know within Kim's work, he's identified four pillars of simplicity parenting. So for yeah. our podcast takeaways today, we're actually going to have four instead of three because there's there's these four pillars of simplicity parenting. I was wondering if you could go through each one of those pillars, specifically in the context of the holidays, and teach us how we can use each of those pillars of simplicity parenting to protect our kids from getting holiday soul fevers.
0: Yes. Well, the first pillar of simplification is our environment. I know you've been spending a lot of time talking about environment lately, which is wonderful. And specific to the holidays, it tends to be a time that our environments become even more cluttered, either with decorations or additional toys. And so one takeaway for parents is to really be mindful about the environment, and about how cluttered the environment may become, and even things like decorations, knowing that you can really simplify there and use the ones that you love and the ones that add beauty rather than a sense of overwhelm or chaos to the environment. And that's the first takeaway.
1: And I love that. I, I thought about that this weekend when we were putting up holiday decorations because you'd sent me your takeaways in advance, so I'd seen them. And... um. I was just thinking about as I pulled stuff out of the Christmas box, um, what things were actually meaningful and what things maybe I could let go of that weren't that meaningful. And some of my favorite decorations are like the ornaments on our Christmas tree, because growing up, I, um, my, I had grandparents on both sides that gave us an ornament every year. And so I have memories of when I got that ornament and why, and as I pulled them out of the box, I was telling my son about the different stories about what (laughs) each ornament meant to me. And I thought, how special, that is a meaningful holiday decoration that Mm -hmm. I would never want to get rid of, whereas some of these other knickknacks I could probably part with.
0: Absolutely, I love what you're referring to here. You're referring to stories and also connection. And as he continues to see those ornaments over the years, what he'll remember is the stories that you shared with him and that's meaningful. Absolutely.
1: Right. And I was even thinking, I'm like, sometime I need to write these down. Like as I'm, Mm -hmm. maybe as I'm boxing up the ornaments, I should just take a few minutes to get out my computer and write down some of these stories. (laughs) So, um, and, and what about going along with environment? Um, you, you're right that we've talked quite a bit on the podcast lately about, possessions and gifts and toys and things. But, um, what are your insights on that about how to simplify Mm. gifts, especially a question that I get a lot from people is, so they want to simplify their environment, but they're not sure how to get grandma and grandpa on board. So grandma and grandpa are giving lots of toys and things. And what suggestions do you have for helping grandma and grandpa, um, maybe align with your family culture if you want to simplify things?
0: Yes. Um, this is a a hot question, one that we're often addressing in simplicity parenting, and many people find a variety of ways of doing this. For one Parents need to feel comfortable staying close to their values and really letting grandparents know that this is meaningful and important to them in terms of raising their children. And we can help our grandparents if we also give them some guidance. Now, not all grandparents are welcome to the guidance. But remember, if we're staying close to our family values and we're being warm about it, and we're saying, here are a few ideas for the holidays. These are some things that we really need and that would be useful and helpful or meaningful to our family. So sometimes giving them specific items that are needed. Some grandparents feel feel like that takes all the fun out of it. And so they may need a little allowance with one or two gifts. Uh, yet it's really fine to give grandparents direction Something else that we often encourage parents to begin to do is enlist grandparents' support with certain experiences or activities. Say you have your child learning a new musical instrument and grandparents can really help foster lessons for music instrument or other activities. Sometimes grandparents also do something with a child, maybe take them on an outing, or they bake cookies together, or they sing Christmas carols at a a local home for elderly people. So there are experiences that we can cultivate, we can enlist their help for certain skills or, or experiences that we're giving our children.
1: Yeah, I love that. And then what is the second pillar of simplicity parenting?
0: Yes, the second pillar of simplicity parenting, um, I tend to switch these around, so I'll call it scheduling. And in scheduling, it's, you know, one of the things that we often think about in terms of causing soul fever for children on the holidays and any time of the year is being overscheduled, not having enough downtime to just digest their experiences and be creative in their play. So the second takeaway in terms of scheduling is be sure to protect downtime at as- and if it's very easy during the holidays to get overscheduled with so many activities and we think, well, that one ballet performance or let's go to this event here. Um, and so just remembering that less is more, especially during the holidays, and choosing those events carefully while also protecting valuable downtime at home where kids can just play and be quiet and get re-centered. hmm
1: and listen to holiday music by the tree and um, do all mm. those lovely things just at home instead of running around and being out and about. I, And as I thought about mm. that, I thought about sometimes it's hard for me to say no to things that are later in the evening. Um, parties mm. are different things that I, I want to go to, you know? And so, yes. <laughs> and so I drag my kids along, but then I wonder why they're grumpy and they're overstimulated. Well, I kind of set them up for that. So... I need to learn to say no, or I need to figure out, get a babysitter, some other way that I can still attend, but they can get the rest that they need.
0: That's right. You actually are talking about now the third pillar. Um, They kind of go together, don't they? The third pillar is our rhythms in family life. And for especially for young children, it's extremely important that they do still have you know, as close to their bedtime rhythms and waking rhythms, eating mealtime rhythms. So eating at about the same time, going to bed at about the same time, still having a story at bed, those things that families do on a more regular basis, keeping things rhythmical as as much as you can will help to reduce or prevent a soul fever.
1: Yeah. And I've thought about that because we always travel for the holidays because both of really? our um, our families are do not live in the same town with us. And um, luckily, my husband's family is just a couple hours away, but my family is in a different state. So right. we are traveling for holidays, and that it's really easy to get out of rhythms when you're traveling. Um, yes. And so I've thought about what can I do to continue rhythms even w- when we're not in our own home? And, Uh um, one thing that I've noticed is that my kids usually after lunchtime will do an hour long quiet time when we're at home and they just play independently and quietly. And I honestly think it's just as good for them as it is for me to have that time. Um, and when I continue to do that, even when we're on vacation, which can be hard to say, no, you're not going to play with your cousins. You're going to take a little break, but that's when they're right. when they're playing with their cousins from 7 a.m. till 8 p.m., yeah. that is I mean, <laughs> that's a lot and they're gonna fight and they're gonna it's like just they need a little break. So continuing yes. that rhythm of quiet time has been really helpful for my kids when we're traveling.
0: That's really wonderful. And I think sometimes it's just that, Rachel. It's it's us as parents realizing that this is very valuable. We're not trying to be difficult or withhold time from cousins. We're just trying to make everything um, go more smoothly. And when we just get clearer and calmer about that and we just stand firm on that's what's best and right for us right now, um, it often works out just fine.
1: Right. And that's what's best and right for them, that we're we're taking care of them, you know, that we not fine. being mean or defiant or obstinate in our routine when we say, no, they can't stay up that late and do this thing. It's really just taking care of and protecting them.
0: We can also say to grandparents or whomever we can say, because we care about having really beautiful connection, because we care about things going as smoothly as possible, these are things that we know are going to set our children up and all of us up for success. And so when we're holding those boundaries with family members, we're letting them know it's because we love them and we want our time together to be as nourishing and happy as possible.
1: Right. And we want our kids to actually be enjoyable for grandma. You know, I often think I it's too bad that my my family only sees my kids when we're traveling because they're not my kids aren't at their best. And yeah, I wish that they got to see them here at their best. And so if I can preserve some of if I can protect my kids and help them to be themselves, then their grandparents are going to enjoy them more.
0: Absolutely.
1: And then what is the fourth um, pillar of simplicity parenting and our fourth takeaway?
0: Great. The fourth pillar of simplicity parenting is what we call um basically filtering out the adult world. And there are two components, really, and two great things for us to think about during holidays and and throughout the year. One is Kids who are exposed to too much adult conversation, especially when it comes to things that are concerning topics or stressful topics, anything that's really more adult-centered, children are like big ears and they tend to really hear everything. So we want to be mindful and thoughtful about what they're hearing so that what they're hearing is really more child-centered. Hearing adult things and worries and concerns will increase their stress. That's part one. And part two is also device and screen time. And so each family has to navigate this based on their own values and what's meaningful and important to them. Uh, And in Simplicity Parenting, we often talk about devices as degrees of distraction and sometimes limiting connection. So again, we just want to be thoughtful and mindful about how much device time children are having and really protect connection and and meaningful experiences. You mentioned at the very beginning, one of the things that often happens is when we're up late, you know, after dinner, visiting with family, we only see a couple times a year. It's really easy to put kids in front of the television, especially in the evening or throughout the day if we're getting things done. And especially at night, that can really interfere with a child's ability to sleep as well as just be overstimulating or overwhelming. So as you said earlier, how do we find the balance with that and and limit that where we can uh, as well?
1: Right. And for me, I think it is often just a matter of not letting myself, like I said in my intro, kind of forget that I'm a parent. I mean, that, that sounds, (laughs) that sounds dramatic. I never forget that I'm a parent, but sometimes when I go home, I kind of slip back into, I'm home. I'm kind of a teenager again, you know? And, um, it's like just staying in the mindset of, I'm going to put my kids to bed before I stay up late to play games or I'm going to do, even though it takes a little bit more effort and others may not be doing it in the house. I'm going to still be a parent during this holiday. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. These give, these takeaways are so helpful and I love this book and all of the work that you're doing. And I also failed to mention in the introduction that you are also a mother So that is a huge piece. And like you have all of this clinical background and educational background, but you've also lived it with your own daughter. Um, And so we really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. Could you um, quickly just recap the four pillars for us before we say goodbye?
0: Yes, I'd love to. And thank you so much. It's a joy to spend the time together. And I really appreciate what you're doing as well and bringing this wisdom to mothers and to family life. It's really wonderful. So thank you as well. So the first pillar is environment. And to simplify the environment around the holidays, that first takeaway is to look at your decorations and really choose the ones that are Add meaning, they're meaningful, and also add beauty to your home during the holiday season and be aware of clutter and how that can create some stress for children and family life as well. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is in our scheduling Let's be mindful not to overschedule our families and children, even with all the amazing holiday activities and events we can partake in, and protect that downtime for them. Rachel, you, t- you spoke about that as quiet time after lunch, where we know there is that need for downtime or quiet time. Let's do our best to protect that for our children, and that will reduce holiday soul fever. The third takeaway and pillar is our rhythms. And that is where we keep to the best of our ability our bedtime rhythms, our waking rhythms, our mealtime rhythms. We remember to sing our blessings. The things that we do at home that we know are predictable and consistent, keeping those rhythms as much as possible will also help our children be more successful through the holidays. And the fourth and final pillar and takeaway for today, since you allowed me to have four, is also on filtering out the adult world and just being aware of how much our children are hearing in terms of adult language and conversation, as well as the amount of device time that they're exposed to during the holidays.
1: Okay, well, great. Thank you. I feel much more um, capable of preventing some of the meltdowns and And having a better holiday season with my kids this year. So thank you again for coming on.
0: Absolutely. Have a wonderful holiday.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms. We've had a bit of a theme going on the past few weeks um, with simplicity parenting. And I'm so glad that we had Carrie on as a guest to finish out that series for us. So over these next few weeks, if your kids start to get super whiny or defiant or tantrum-y with all of the holiday excitement, maybe think to yourself, soul fever, and do what you would if they had a physical illness. Cut back on all the junk food and the crazy schedules and put them in bed early, or snuggle them on the couch and read Christmas stories. That's perhaps the biggest takeaway that I will remember from this episode. If you like today's episode or any other episode that you've heard on the podcast thus far, please share it. I'm excited that we're coming up on, this is episode nine, so it's been just over two months that I've been recording this podcast and I love to see it growing and it means so much to me to see that you're sharing it with others. For those of you who've been here for a while, you know that I air a new episode every Monday and next week we'll have some extra special guests on the podcast my 88 year old grandparents. They're pretty much the cutest old people on the planet. So you're not going to want to miss their episode. So I hope to see you back here on Monday and every Monday. And in the meantime, have a great week with your family.